So we've been in the upper room discourse, that conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. It's the final conversation before his death. And we're ending that teaching today. And this long conversation between Jesus and his disciples has been to prepare them for that coming hour where he goes to his death. And here in these verses we've read, he's, no, he, there, he speaks of an hour which comes where he no longer will speak to them figuratively. He speaks of that hour after his resurrection when he comes to them and, and they will be led by the Spirit of truth and, and the things of the, re, the, the resurrection, the crucifixion of Christ will be revealed to them by the Spirit of God. And Christ will speak plainly to them. He will tell them about His completed work. He'll tell them about how the Old Testament Scriptures pointed forth to Him and that they were truly about Him. He speaks of a time where we will be able to pray. And when we pray, we will go straight to the Father with our prayers. And we'll go in the name of Jesus Christ and He will hear our prayers because of that perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That the Father, because of what Jesus has done, He has made us right with the Father. That our love that we receive from God the Father is through His Son. And it's through His Son's work. And so when we pray to God, He hears us because we have trusted, we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, as He said, because we love Him and have believed that He was from the Father. And so the Father loves us. He is well pleased with us because we are in Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of His Son. We have been forgiven of our sins. We have been covered by His blood, His atoning blood. And when we speak to the Father, He hears us and He loves us salvifically differently than He loves the world because we are in His Son. Jesus speaks of His incarnation. He says He is the One that came from the Father. And then He speaks of His death and His resurrection and then His ascension, that He's going back to the Father. He's returning to that former glory that He once had. He's going to sit down at the right hand of the Father and all authority on heaven and earth will be given to Him. And He finished His work of redemption on the cross and then He will sit down in authority and reign as King. And in verse 30 they say, now we, know that all, now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. And this is why we believe that you came from God. So the disciples in hearing this, they, they say, Jesus, now we see that you're speaking plainly. Now we understand. Now we know you're from God. Now we know you know all things. They're so certain of their belief. They're so certain of their faith. They're so certain that Jesus is who He has claimed to be. But literally, their mouths are saying this, but their hearts are not necessarily in the same place. We're going to see in the chapters to come that their faith will be tested and that each one will be scattered and Peter himself will deny the Lord. And Jesus speaks to them saying, oh, now you believe. Do you now believe? And then He tells them of an hour that is coming where each and every one of them will scatter. They will be shaken to their core. They will not understand why the Savior had to die. 
And when Jesus says this, it's much like when he said to Peter. And Peter, if you remember, he promised the Lord that he would never deny him. And now you hear the disciples saying, we have faith. We stand on you and your words. But their faith is weak at this point in time. And not until they receive the spirit of truth, not until they are empowered by God the Holy Spirit, will they be taught all truth, led into God's truth, and be empowered to be His witnesses in taking His gospel forth. They will scatter. But Jesus will not be alone because He is one with the Father, and the Father will be with Him. And Jesus says in verse 33, which will be the main focus of our message here this morning, I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in this world, we will have tribulation. This is from the mouth of our Lord and our Savior. In this world that we live in, it's often full of trouble. It's often full of tribulation. Oftentimes in this life, it feels like evil prevails. It feels like the powers of darkness are winning. You know, we see natural disasters, political unrest, rumors of war, wars themselves, violence, cancer, the glorification of sin, calling what is evil good, and calling what is good evil We feel pain, sickness, heartache, persecution, suffering, all in this life. And maybe the hardest that we will all face is death. We've all experienced tribulation in this world. None of us are free of it. No matter if you are in Christ or an unbeliever, we all face tribulation. We all face the troubles of this world. Why is there so much trouble in this world? Well, this creation has been cursed. If you recall Adam's sin, he disobeyed God, and this world fell into sin. This creation that we live in has been subjected to futility, and it is a cursed world. And in this world that we live in, there is tribulation. There is trouble. And so what is the cause? It's our rebellion against God. It's our sin that causes the heartache and the pain that is in this world. It has affected every single one of us. We are all guilty before God. We all desperately need Jesus Christ. And every single person that you meet is affected by the sin and the fall of this world, and each and every one of us experienced the, tri- the tribulation that has occurred in this world because of it. And because sin reigns, so does the consequence of sin. And ultimately, the tribulation we face is the consequence of sin. And so as we look to this, we look around to this fallen world, we hear the news, we hear of so much bad news, we hear of so much unspeakable evil, when we all face the hard times of this life, the suffering, the tribulation, the persecution that comes, it becomes easy to become hopeless. It becomes easy to question God. It becomes easy to lose all peace in our lives and all joy. But as the one who does not have Christ 
has no hope and can only despair. Those of us who are in Christ, He has told us to be of good cheer because our Savior has overcome the world. And so at this point in time, He's told His disciples many things and their hearts are troubled. If you recall, He told them that He's leaving, that He's going to His death, that He's going to the Father. He's leaving them. They don't understand. They're struggling with this truth. He tells them of Judas's betrayal. He, they, he tells them of Peter's denial. He tells them of the coming persecution. He tells them that the world will hate them. He tells them of their coming deaths. He, come, he tells them of their coming cowardice, that they're all going to scatter. And they have many reasons at this point in time to be full of anxieties, to be full of trouble. But Jesus has said these things to them from John chapter 13 to John chapter 16 so that they may have peace. So what calms their hearts? What gives them peace? What takes the, away the anxieties that they are struggling with? It is the words of Jesus Christ. It is His words that they must lean on. It is His words that they must find hope in and that they must trust in. Those words must become the foundation underneath their feet and our feet as we go through the struggles of this life. It is His words that we must find refuge in. And we will have peace when we do so. And starting in John chapter 13, the words of Christ that brought peace to the disciples and to His hearers thousands of years after me and you are of these. Here's just some of them, a paraphrase. He tells us in John chapter 13 of that sacrificial love, humiliating love of Christ that He has for His people. That He is going to the Father. In John chapter 14, He speaks that He is preparing a place for them. That they, that they should not let their hearts be troubled. He says that He is the way to the Father. He promises the coming of the Holy Spirit, the great Comforter the great Counselor, the Teacher, the Spirit of Truth. In John chapter 14, verse 18, He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then in verse 19, He says, Because I live, you also will live. He talks of our blessed hope. Because our Redeemer lives, we will live. In John chapter 15, He tells us that He is the true vine and that we are to abide in Him. And in Him we will produce fruit. And that there is no life apart from this one true vine. He tells us that we can find joy in Him. And I promise you, it's the only true joy that you can find in this life. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that He has called us friends. And that He shows His great love to His friends by laying His life down for them. He says that we did not first choose Him, but in love He has first chosen us. 
He tells them of that coming hatred from the world, that coming persecution. In John chapter 16, he, he further tells them of that spirit of truth, the, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, how He will lead them into all truth, the great teacher who teaches us all things, and He will teach His disciples God's ways, not the world's ways. He will teach them God's truth. He will bring to light the magnificent words on the pages of the Bible in their life. And that spirit of truth, He will shine a light on what Jesus Christ has done. He will bring to their knowledge why the Savior had to die. He will help them to understand the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And and then He speaks of that sorrow that they will feel when they see their Lord crucified. But He tells them that that sorrow will turn to joy because they will see the risen Lord And that that joy that they have will never be taken from them. He speaks of the Father's love that He has for us because of His perfect obedience to death on the cross. He speaks of the Father hearing our prayers because we come in the only name under heaven, Jesus Christ, to which a man can be saved. And so He's given us plenty of reasons to have peace when we hear His words. And He's comforting His disciples that I have said these things to you that you may have peace. And others in this world might promise you peace, but there is no peace apart from Jesus Christ. And first and foremost, before we can ever experience peace with God in our lives, we first must have peace with God through salvation in His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, by nature, we are enemies of God. We are rebels, and we must first be reconciled to God. We must first turn from our sins and trust alone in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And in His name, we will find peace with God. We will be called His friends, no longer His enemies. And once we have that peace with God, we will find a peace in our life that will surpass understanding. And Jesus gives us some insight on what this peace is rooted in. And first he said, it's his words. In John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Even though tough times will come in our lives, He is calling us to lean on Him. To hear His words and to be comforted. He is our greatest help in times of trouble. He is the one that we are to go to in times of trouble. He is the one that we are to cast our cares upon. He is our Savior. And listen, He doesn't say here that life is going to be easy. He doesn't promise us in this fallen world that has been judged because of sin that life will always be easy. Instead, He's actually promising the opposite. At times, tribulation will come. He doesn't promise freedom of sickness, persecution, affliction, suffering, and even from His own loving hand of discipline when we've strayed from His will. But what he does say is that when tribulation comes, 
that we can find peace in Him. That we can take comfort in His words. And that we need His words in order to combat the anxieties, the troubles in our hearts, the anxiousness that plagues us. It is Him that we must lean on. And listen, anxieties are going to come. Worries are going to come. But you need to go to the One who has overcome. You need to go to the One that can help you in your time of trouble. You need to come, go to the One who is the conquering King. So what is this tribulation that Jesus speaks of? What is the He says tribulation in this world. So in the context, the world is that evil system that we hear of so often in the Bible. And this world is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself. And this world is of rebellion and sin. And because of this fallen world and it being cursed, we will have tribulation. In the King James Version of the Bible, it translates this word tribulation 21 times as tribulation, 17 times as affliction. Trouble, anguish, persecution, burden to be afflicted with. To feel a pressure from the sinful and rebellious world around us. It's distress because of the sinful world that we live in. And in the context, if you think about the disciples' situation, he's speaking to, of them of the coming tribulation that's about to come into their life. He talks of an hour where the world will persecute them. That people thinking that they are giving honor to God will actually put them to death. That's the tribulation he speaks of in the disciples' life. But then he also speaks of the distress that they will feel when they see their precious Savior go to His death. This is the tri tribulation in the context that the Lord is speaking of. When everything to them looks worse, when it looks like evil is prevailing, when the ruler of this age, Satan, looks to have won the victory, when those who hate Christ are yelling, crucify Him, when they see Jesus hung on the cross, and dying. What would be going through their hearts at this time? Think of the trouble in their hearts. And then eventually when they face their own deaths. But Jesus tells them to take courage. He tells them to take heart. He tells them to be of good cheer. To fret not. Because He has overcome the world. So when we face, and when these disciples face impossible tribulation, when all seems to be lost, Jesus wants them to remember that by His life, death, burial, and resurrection, He has overcome the world. He has forever conquered sin and death. He crushed the serpent's head Amen. on the cross. And even though the serpent thought He was going to His victory, it was the very thing of where he found his defeat. They could stand when the hour of tribulation comes because Jesus Christ on the cross forever conquered sin and death. He won the victory. O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? Jesus Christ, how? 
has He overcome? How has He won the victory? Well, He saw us in our sinful state. He saw us in our rebellion. He had mercy on creation. God the Son sees our hopeless condition. And from eternity, God decided to make His glory known to us in the cross. Sent from the Father, He humbled Himself and He took on human flesh. God the Son. And listen, He lived perfectly. The perfect life. He is called the just one. He is the one who fulfilled all things. And this just one, He died for the unjust. You and me. The just for the unjust. Once and for all. He died for us. He was our substitute. Dying the death we deserved. Living the life we could not possibly live. Becoming our substitute on the cross. The Lamb of God who was slain. And there on the cross He was crushed. And He bore our sin. He was treated as an unbeliever. He took the wrath that we deserve right there on the cross. And He was buried in the grave. And He finished His work making redemption, paying the price for sin right there on the cross. And on the third day, this conquering King rose from the dead. He finished the work. He conquered sin and death. He defeated the grave. And He has forever overcome the power of darkness. And He has forever overcome the world. Jesus Christ has been given all authority on heaven and earth. He is the only name under heaven to which we can be saved. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith because of His perfect obedience to the Father, because of His perfect atoning work on the cross for our sins. We have every reason to have peace. We have every reason to take courage. We have every reason to stand firm in our faith. We have every reason to overcome. He is the victor. He is the one who conquered the enemy. The enemy has lost. Do we Christians believe this message? In our life, our hearts are often full of trouble. We often worry. We often have anxieties. But the conquering King has won the victory. We question God. We don't know why we have to go through certain things. We cannot say, like Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord, whether He takes or gives. We struggle to believe God's promises. We struggle to lean on Him. We struggle to find comfort in His Word. We struggle to find peace in this life. But I promise you right now that you will have tribulation in this life. Why do I say that? Because Jesus Christ said it. Do we believe Him? There will be times where we will struggle. There will be times where we will suffer. There will be times where we will mourn. There will be times where we will be persecuted for our faith. There will be times of calamity. There will be times of distress. But we have no reason to fret. We are not like those of the world that have no hope. We have Jesus Christ. We have the conquering King, we have an eternity with Him that He won for us on the cross. We have every reason to hope in Him. We have been made right with God. We are His children. He is the conquering King. He has won. And we have every reason to take courage, to have peace in this life.
lean on the one who has overcome the world. Romans 8:35 through 39 it really speaks of the love of Christ and what he has accomplished for us. For those of us who are in him, listen to these words penned by the apostle Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, even in death. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even death. Not even what none of us can escape. Death will be able to take away the victory that Christ has won on the cross. Take courage, Christian. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He has, won the, he has won the victory. He has overcome the world. The gates of hell will not prevail against His church. They will not prevail against His kingdom. Christ will reign for eternity. He will win. Amen. Will you be with Him? You know, R.C. Sproul sums this verse up, and I really like the way he says it. The world threatens to crush you every minute of our lives. It hurls insults, tribulations, pain, deaths, all sorts of things that take away the joy that should be ours in Christ Jesus. But Jesus overcame the world. That is why the Apostle Paul says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. It isn't because we have the power to beat the world. We don't. It is because He overcame the world for us. He is the one we must lean in. He is the one we must trust in. He is the one we must go to with all things. He is the conquering King. We have every reason to praise Him. We have every reason to trust Him. We have every reason to have peace in this life. We have every reason to have a peace that surpasses understanding because we know that we're bulletproof in Jesus Christ. We know we have an eternity with Him. Every day is a good day because you know Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You've been a rebel against God, but He has made you right. We have every reason to have joy. We have every reason to have peace. We have every reason to take courage and face whatever this life brings. Because our Savior has conquered. Trust in the conquering King today. He is truly our only hope in this life.